Welcome back to Kyra Nights. I am your host, Jake Scorheim. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening. If you're listening live, fantastic. We love it. Thank you so much. If you're listening on the podcast, great job. We appreciate you listening on the podcast or any of your streaming devices or services or uh, what is it? The uh, um, home smart speakers. A lot of people listen on home smart speakers, which that's fun. So good job. Appreciate you listening there as well. If you haven't downloaded the podcast yet, do me a favor. Go over and try to find Kyra Nights with Jake Scorheim wherever you get your podcast. Just type that in. That's going to pop up. Mash down that follow button, and then you will get the show every day sent to your phone, and it will be fresh, and it will be great, great quality. You're going to love it, I promise. And pretty soon, we're going to start um, adding some extra stuff there, stuff that we're not doing completely uh, here on the on the live version of the show. We just don't have enough time to get to everything. So sometimes we like to do a little extra stuff, extra interviews, things like that, just like bonuses as a say as a thank you for downloading the podcast. So with that in, in mind, feel free to download the podcast if you haven't yet and look forward to that stuff coming up soon. All right, let's get to it. We got a lot of stuff to get to, not even enough time to get to it. Do you guys know what Apple AirTags are? Detectives are finding... They're investigating cases of stalking with Apple AirTags. Now, this sounds very, very futuristic to me. And this is happening in Renton. Now, Renton is not a place uh, that I think of as like really futuristic, but apparently this is happening. So you might be asking yourself, what is an AirTag? I didn't know what an AirTag was. Here's what it is. According to Apple's website, AirTags are a super easy way to track your stuff, attach one to your keys, slip another one on your backpack, and just like that, they're on your radar in the Find My app, where you can also track down your Apple devices and keep up with friends and family. The problem with this, though, is that Apple, I guess, is just assuming that people are purchasing AirTag and using them themselves, knowingly. Some people are using AirTags without the person knowing it. So you might find an AirTag in your bag that you didn't put there. You're probably being stalked or you grabbed the wrong bag. That's possible too. But in Renton right now, detectives in Renton at the Renton Police Department are investigating two recent stalking cases involving Apple AirTags. This story is on MyNorthwest.com. You can check it out there. Kate Stone had the story. We talked a little bit about this earlier with her. Detectives in Renton are warning, not warming, they're warning the community to be on alert. They say in both cases, somebody illegally attached an air tag to the victim's cars, allegedly attempting to keep track of their movements. According to uh, Megan Black, she's the PIO for the Renton Police Department, she says one case involves a domestic disturbance where they were involved in a rollover, two people were involved in a relationship, and the air tag was attached to the vehicle, and it was discovered by the victim. That's scary. The other case... The other one was an employment situation. This is kind of, this is a bizarre one to me, where a company had attached an AirTag to a vehicle in order to track a former employee. Now, I don't know why a company would want to track a former employee, but the, uh, the uh, Renton police spokesperson says that these cases are under investigation right now and they have uh, referred these alleged stalking cases to the King County Prosecuting Office, but it's not a good thing. So here's how it works. Suspects attach air tags to victims' vehicles, often is the case. The suspects in each of these cases attached an air tag to the victim's vehicle in an attempt, obviously, to follow their movement. I don't know if Apple thought of this as a thing that people would do. I mean, it seems like a pretty no-brainer that people would go, hey, these, these could be used poorly as well. I mean, like, it's a great idea to track down things that you might lose. You can attach them to your keys, which everybody would love. You can attach them to your kids, so you know where they are. When I was growing up, 
they didn't have air tags. What they had was these little ID bracelets that kids would wear, which I always thought was so cool. My parents never got me one. I guess they weren't worried about me being lost or taken. But they're very, very cool, and uh, that's what kids wore when I was growing up. Now, you just shove an air tag. And I, I've even seen these little uh, wristbands that they wear that have these air tags, and so parents can keep track of their kids. And you can look on your phone. If you go into the my, Find My iPhone app, you can actually go in and like down to like number of feet, you can figure out where whatever you're looking for is. So if it's your kid, you can say, okay, good. They're in their classroom at school or they're on the playground or wherever they're at. Or you could say they're at a friend's house, yada, yada, yada. You can attach it to a car. If you're worried about your car being stolen, you can attach it to whatever. These attached to anywhere. But uh, Megan Black, again, she is the Renton PIO. She says, your iPhone should be alerting you when these are being detected. Your iPhone will actually alert you to the fact that there is an Apple AirTag tracking you. This also will work for Android phones. You do have to download an app in order for it to be detected there. And make no mistake, this is not legal. It is illegal for someone to track your movement and put a tracker in your vehicle, on your person, in a bag. So we definitely want people to call 911 and let us know that this is happening so that we can investigate it. And they can be, the reason this is so effective and the reason people do this is they're really, really small and they can pretty much be attached anywhere. The Apple AirTags are about the size of a quarter. They're not very big, and they can be attached anywhere. In a car, they can be thrown in a car, they can be put in a trunk, they can be attached somehow. So the AirTag originally came out in 2021. Apple released them. They now could be purchased for $29 a piece, or you can get a four-pack for 100 bucks. And again, users, it could be very helpful. Users can pinpoint locations of a wide variety of pieces of lost, um, lost property, But security experts are also saying that there has been this rise of the use of physical trackers for stalking. Two women actually sued Apple back in 2022 in California uh, federal court after discovering that their locations were being tracked by um, former relationships. Like, that's pretty scary. So you don't want that. So here's a question for you. If you're asking and you're wondering, how do you get rid of them? If you do find one of these things on your bag and you want to get rid of it, They're very, very simple to get rid of. They say they can be fully disabled by simply removing the battery. This is done by twisting counterclockwise on the back of the tracker. Again, it's about the size of a quarter, so it should be pretty easy to manipulate. The Renton Police Department said anybody who finds an unwanted tracker should immediately call 911 and let them know what the situation is, and then they can help you. All right, let's move on to bizarre political news. I thought this one was kind of fun, but it is a political story, so here you go. Politics. 2024. Have you guys ever heard of a tiny town called Dixville Notch? (laughs) It's a funny name. I'd never heard of it. It's got a very gobbler's knob quality to its name. Um, I had never heard of Dixville Notch until yesterday when it was announced that they would be having their first in the nation primary, I guess. And the tiny town of Dixville Notch, it's in New Hampshire. New Hampshire? And apparently... It is, all right, so I had to do a little digging into this because I had no idea what Dixville Notch was. But Dixville Notch is, I, this according to my research, is an, un- is an unincorporated community in Dixville Township, Coos County, New Hampshire, United States. So the population of this tiny town, and they were able to do this count in one night. You might wonder, how is it possible that they could have the count and that they could get the results all in one night? Are they just the most effective counters in the world? 
No, the reason they're able to do that is two reasons. One, they all vote in person, which is great. And two, there's only four people in the town, according to the 2020 census. I guess the town actually has grown. They now have six people who voted this year, registered to vote this year, which is tremendous growth when you think about it. Four years, the town has grown by 50%. Unbelievable. But again, that's only two people. So that's like one new person every two years. It's not a massive growth, but it is an uptick, which is exciting for that town. So the village is known for being the first place to declare its results during the New Hampshire presidential primary. And they did it again early this morning. At the stroke of midnight, they had people out there ready to vote. The six people, I assume most of them are in the same family, and they were ready to vote. They cast their ballot. They put it in a tiny little box. And then immediately after they had finished voting, they tallied it up. And who won? CBS has the report. We are here in this home, not a small town in New Hampshire, in charge of kickstarting the First Nation primary. And as you might start hearing soon, people here are in full-on celebratory mode because they say they already did their due diligence. They casted their ballot, and actually they casted their ballot for Nikki Haley. And you'll be able to see it right behind me, the final tally. Haley has six votes in. Now, why six? Six is the official count of registered voters in this town. Now, the process here went very seamless. Once the clock hit midnight, voters were able to go into the ballot box, cast their ballots, those ballots were tallied and the results were in within 10 minutes. Now, I was able to speak to some of the voters after um, the results came out and they tell me that they feel hopeful and they're looking forward that, you know, as the day continues to progress, they can see other people from New Hampshire also cast their ballot for. <laughs> I, I love that they have, I mean, it sounds like it's uh, either a, an accordion Actually, it sounds like an accordion in the background. They never explain the accordion. And I wonder if the six people know, because it is a tiny, tiny little thing that the CBS reporter is doing her report in. She's literally in what looks to be somebody's living room, maybe. I guess it could be a tiny, tiny, tiny community center that she's in. But there's only about six people in there. Somebody breaks out what sounds to me to be an, an accordion and starts playing. Do they know that a national news correspondent is doing a stand-up report right in the middle of this? Very funny. Nikki Haley, that's something that we'll have to continue to observe and see what happens across the state in this first in the nation primary. Cristina Gorujo, CBS News, Dixville Notch. Did you guys catch that at the beginning? Did she, and I don't want to be nitpicky here, and I'm not trying to make fun of this reporter. I'm, she did a fine job, but did she say casted? They casted their ballot, and actually they casted their ballot for Nikki Haley. Yeah, she did, casted. I believe, I could be wrong about this, but I believe that cast is the past tense form of cast. So she could just say they cast their ballot. Uh, anyway, Dixville Notch, they got on the map, they got everybody talking about Dixville Notch. Population of six, maybe it'll grow even more now. It looks like a beautiful little town in New Hampshire. New Hampshire. All right, here was another kind of an interesting one since we're talking about politics here. And we'll get to this, we'll get through politics really fast and we'll move on. There was a CNN reporter, her name, is Laura, her name is Laura Coates. And she was talking to Vice President Kamala Harris. And she was asking her why when people talk about a vote for Biden being a vote for Harris and they give it a negative connotation, like why are they giving, why, why is that such a bad thing that a vote for Biden is a vote for Harris? Because a lot of people are speculating that President Biden at 81, and he's lost a couple of steps, might not 
live long enough to uh, serve out his presidency. That's what people are worried about. If you are a fan of Biden, that's probably on your radar. You go, hey, you know what? I just want to make sure that this guy's going to be in there for the long haul and that he's at least going to live till the end of his term, which is preferable when you're electing the leader of the free world. He would be 86 if he survives to the end of his pre- second term of presidency, if he is elected. And so people are saying, yeah, you know what? We're actually looking a lot at Kamala Harris and seeing how she looks because she could be the leader of the free world. Now, she has been doing a lot more speeches lately. So people are saying, are we seeing the baton being passed in front of us? So the CNN reporter, Laura Coates, almost sounds like, I could be wrong about this, but she almost sounds like she's fighting back tears while she's asking Vice President Kamala Harris why people are kind of being mean to her. Let me ask you one more question. I'm struck just in your presence. The, I was watching you on stage, watching the reactions from the crowd, Mm -hmm. looking you in the eye with your passion that you were displaying and talking about so many issues. And yet you hear candidates suggesting that a vote for President Biden because of his age is somehow a vote for you. And that is hurled as an insult. It's intended to demonstrate some negative viewpoint towards you is that is that a negative viewpoint towards vice president kamala harris or is that a negative viewpoint towards the idea that person that we're considering electing as a president might not live out to see the end of his presidency because of his advanced years what is your reaction to this thought that with your background in particular with your career that there is some thought that you are incapable well, I, I think that um, most women who have risen in their profession, who are leaders in their profession, have had similar experiences. Mm. Um, I was the first woman to be elected district attorney. I was the first woman to be elected attorney general of the state of California. And I'm the first woman to be vice president. And I love my job. <laughs> She does. She loves her job very much. You know, it is interesting. People are scrutinizing Kamala Harris in a different way because Joe Biden is such an old guy. And, you know, I don't know what the odds are that he makes it to the end of his second presidency. If you're just looking at the actuarials, the average age of a man in the United States lives to be about 77 years old and change, 77 and change, depending on your healthy lifestyle or not. So a guy like Joe Biden He's obviously in a very privileged position as the leader of the free world. He's getting a lot of special care that the average citizen probably would not have access to or is not getting around the clock like the president is. So that's going to stretch him out for a few years, which is a good thing because we don't want the president uh, to pass away in office. But people are scrutinizing everything that Kamala Harris says. And some of the stuff that Kamala Harris says doesn't always completely, I mean, when she's just talking and just extemporaneously talking or giving an answer about something, she doesn't always make a ton of sense. There's a few clips that have been going around the internet, and I think these are the things that people are looking at and saying, like, is this person ready to be president? So I think it's very important, as you have heard from so many incredible leaders, for us at every moment in time, and certainly this one, to see the moment in time in which we exist and are present, and to be able to contextualize it, to understand where we exist in the history and in the moment as it relates not only to the past, but the future. Not only the past, but the future. It's good advice, right? You just want to be able to know what moment you're in. It's very important for living life. 
She also had this clip about uh, giving aid to Jamaica, and this was uh, in in post-pandemic world. Actually, no, this is still pandemic world. She's talking about sending aid to Jamaica. For Jamaica, one of the issues that has been presented as an issue that is economic in the way of its impact has been the pandemic. So to that end, we are announcing today also that we will assist Jamaica in COVID recovery um, by assisting in terms of the recovery efforts in Jamaica that have been essential to, I believe, what is necessary to strengthen not only uh, the, the, the issue of public health, but also the economy. Or this clip when she was talking about culture and the importance of culture, it did raise some eyebrows. People are just not quite sure what she's getting at here. Culture is... It is a reflection of our moment and our time, right? And, and, and present culture is the way we express how we're feeling about the moment. And, and we should always find times to express how we feel about the moment. That is a reflection of joy because, you know, it comes in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> it does. comes in the morning. I, I do think it's fair to scrutinize everything that politicians say and do because we are electing these people to very, very important jobs. And in the case of our vice presidents, particularly this year, when the main person on the ticket, Joe Biden on the Democrats, Donald Trump for the Republicans, likely Donald Trump for the Republicans, they're both not young guys. Biden's 81, Trump's going to be 78 very soon. So who knows how much longer they're going to be with us. So it really is... People are asking, who is the vice president? What do they stand for? What kind of a leader would they be? And I, I, I think that's totally fair to scrutinize that and ask those questions. All right, we got a lot more coming up on the show. You're not going to want to miss a second of it. I promise. We're going to be right back here on Kyra Nights. Jake Scorheim. Welcome back to Kyra Nights. I want to tell you guys another cool story. I told you yesterday about Jason Kelsey. He's the older brother of Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is, of course, dating Taylor Swift. It's all the NFL ever talks about. Every time you watch a uh, Chiefs game, you see a shot of Travis Kelsey, and then immediately they will show a shot of Taylor Swift. It is becoming ridiculous. The NFL is so in love with Taylor Swift. And they should be, I guess, because she's got more fans than anyone in the world. The NFL ratings are massive now, not just because it's the playoffs, but because Taylor Swift. And you have a whole new generation of young fans that are super excited about football because maybe they catch a glimpse of their favorite superstar watching football. Not because they love football, but because they love somebody who apparently loves football, and that's Taylor Swift. All right, so Jason Kelsey. We talked about him yesterday. He did something really cool to an, uh, for an employee at McDonald's. He goes to McDonald's every morning. He gets a sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit sandwich or whatever it is, and he sees the same person working at the window every day. So he struck up a little friendship. They talk, and they, you know, just, they're thankful for each other, which is really neat. So he shows up the other day. He gets a sandwich, and when he hands over his money, he also hands over a jersey that is signed by him, and it uh, you know, was personalized to her and very cool. She posted a photo of it online because everything gets posted online these days, and we get to see that he's a neat guy. He's a cool guy. So here's another story about him being a cool guy. He was at the Buffalo Bills game the other day. I'm sorry. He was at the Kansas City Chiefs versus Buffalo Bills game the other day in which the Chiefs were successful and beat the Buffalo Bills. In the stands, Jason Kelsey, whose team is no longer in the uh, in the uh, in uh, in the season because they're done, 
he was there to watch his brother, Travis. And he's sitting up there, and he's in the same box as Taylor Swift is at, and they're all watching the game, and they're cheering, and they're cheering the Chiefs on, and they're having a great time. He looks down, and he notices that there's a young fan in the crowd who's not watching the field, but she's turned around, and she's looking up at their box. And she is staring at Taylor Swift, trying to catch a glimpse of her in the box. And she's holding up a sign that says, please, Taylor, I want to meet you or something like that. So Jason Kelsey has uh, three kids. I believe he has three girls and he has three young daughters. So he says, hey, you know what would make this girl's day? I'm going to go down and I'm going to get her so that she can come up here and see Taylor Swift. And so he goes down and he's, you know, just looks like a big giant dude. He's shirtless. He's having a great time. He goes down and he grabs this girl and, you know, with her parents. And he says, hey, come on with me. I'm going to lift you up so you can actually, like, see Taylor Swift, which is very, very cool. So this girl, her name is Ella Piazza. She's eight years old. She's living her dream to get to see Taylor Swift in person. And it was a pretty cool experience. It was documented on uh, TikTok and shared by millions and millions and millions of people. A very sweet moment. She went on Today's show today to talk about the experience. I heard, Ella, that actually last week you told all your friends, I'm going to meet Taylor Swift at the game. You knew. Yeah. Why did you think that? Because um, I was thinking positive, but some of my friends weren't that positive. They said, no, you won't. There's so many people. Okay. So how did she end up in a stadium with tens of thousands of people to be in a position to actually go and meet Taylor Swift. So apparently this girl was at the Buffalo game and she was on the opposite side of the field. And if you've seen the stadium there, it's just massive. There's just no way she can fight her way over there. And she's eight years old, so it's unlikely they're going to let her get really close to Taylor Swift. I'm sure that's a very protected area. But they happen to have some friends who are on the other side of the stadium who call them and say, hey, we're in the same section. We're way, way, way down. We're not even anywhere near close to her box, but we're in the same section as Taylor Swift. So she's up behind us somewhere in the private boxes. And so at halftime, this little girl and her mom go and switch uh, tickets with this other, with these friends so that they could get on the side where Taylor Swift is. And then this eight-year-old girl starts walking slowly, uh, row by row, up the stands, trying to get closer to her idol, Taylor Swift. And she's holding this sign. And again, she's eight years old, so I'm sure people were pretty nice to her and letting her, letting her through. So she gets up close, and that's when... Jason Kelsey looks over the side and he sees this sign and he decides to go down and get her. And so the little girl detailed when Jason lifted her up to see Taylor. And then Jason um, went out of the suite, um, also got the girl next to us, and then um, came came over here and then he picked me up and then I saw Taylor. What was it like when you saw Taylor in real life? It was like amazing. (laughs) (laughs) That's so sweet. Uh, I know if my kids were meeting like their biggest idol in the world, I think for my son, his biggest football idol in the world is Patrick Mahomes. So it would be the exact same thing, probably in the same location too, ironically. But if he were at a Chiefs game and he got his chance to meet Patrick Mahomes, my son is eight. He would freak out. And so I can only imagine how excited this girl was. I, as a parent, would be so excited if my kid got to realize that dream. This little girl's mother felt the same way. She just thought it was the most wonderful thing. She says that uh, Jason Kelsey was, like, the sweetest guy to single her daughter out and find her and actually, like, make this happen for her. And she talked about that on the Today Show. 
So when Jason lifted her up, because <laughs> yeah. that was a moment that everybody saw. Did what, you know it was Jason? <laughs> yes, we like I here. did. Yes, yes. He had already come out before yeah. that, and then we we had he had gone back in. Um, so I did know it was Jason. Oh my gosh! Wow, what a moment! But when they, he lifted her up, I was he was so kind to her, and it was I was just so thankful that he gave her the chance to see Taylor because she was she was standing up there at the top of the bleachers with her sign, just mm. waiting and hoping, and so brave. She claimed, climbed all the way to the top i think that's so cool and you know i've given the kelsey brothers some crap because they're overexposed i think they're super overexposed especially travis kelsey it seems like every single commercial i see whether it's geico or it's uh for pfizer or it's for whatever else he's advertising which is a ton of stuff it's the kelsey brothers i think jason kelsey i've only seen him on one commercial i think it's for <laughs> for tide pods still a great commercial national spot i'm sure he's making a ton of money off that good for him but they're everywhere. These guys are absolutely everywhere. Apparently, Jason Kelsey wants to... I'm sorry, not Jason. Travis Kelsey has plans to be a movie star or something like that. I don't know if that's going to work out. But stories like this are really nice. And it makes me want to root for Jason Kelsey, at least. Even if I'm not rooting for Travis Kelsey. I'm not a huge Chiefs fan. But I at least am rooting for Jason Kelsey. Because I like people who take the time to see others. He took the time to recognize that a signed jersey, which for him is a very simple thing to do, would mean a ton for the girl who was working at McDonald's. And he also took the time, because he's a father of little girls, to realize what an amazing moment that this little girl at the Buffalo Bills game and the Kansas City Chiefs playoff game would remember for the rest of her life if somebody just took a half second to go out there and lift her up so that she could get a glimpse of her idol, which is really, really cool. So, Jason Kelsey, nice job. I'm going to root for you for the future, for however long you are in the NFL. Good for you, guy. All right, very, very quickly, very, very quickly, because we only have a couple of seconds left. There was a local girl. Her name is Lily Gladstone. She wanted to be an actress someday. She went to Mount Lake Terrace High School. In fact, at Mount Lake Terrace High School, she was voted by her class, the class of 2004, in the yearbook to be the most likely to win an Oscar. And this morning, that girl, Lily Gladstone, who is now in a movie called Killers of the Flower Moon, opposite Leonardo DiCaprio, she was nominated for Best Actress for an Oscar. For performance by an actress in a leading role. Annette Benning in Nyack. It's not Annette Benning. Lily Gladstone. Here it is. Of the Flower Moon. How cool is that? She's been an actress all her life. She really dreamed of winning an Oscar someday. She even posted a photo of this 2004 high school yearbook a couple years back and where they said she's most likely to win an Oscar. And now she's one step closer. That's pretty amazing. All right, we got a lot more coming up on the show. Next, we're going to talk a little bit about the Seahawks. Do we know who the next coach is going to be? Have we some more information on that? We might. Stick around. We're going to tell you about it next on Cairo Nights. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scorehide. Welcome back to Cairo Nights, the final segment of the night. This is where we like to leave you feeling great. And to feel great, we need to talk about something great. You know what's great? The idea that maybe the Seahawks are getting a little closer to finding who their next 
coach is going to be. That search continues. Of course, Pete Carroll is no longer going to be the coach of the Seahawks. Apparently, he's going to have some advisory role in some such nature. Nobody knows what that's going to be yet. And who knows if that's ever going to come to pass. But what we do know is that they're interviewing some very, very good coaches around the league right now for the top spot in Seattle. One of those guys is a the uh, defensive coordinator for the L.A. Rams. The L.A. Rams had a phenomenal season. They're doing great. Uh, they have a very exciting young coaching staff as opposed to some of the older coaching staffs in in uh, the NFL. Bill Belichick would be part of that, not the young coaching staff. He's part of the old guard. He obviously was um, let go from, uh, let's see, the Patriots. And now, even though he had phenomenal success with the Patriots and for so long, six Super Bowls, he's the second winningest coach of all time. Even though he's going to be 72 next year, it looks like he's going to still be coaching in the NFL next year, probably for the Falcons, because he is just a few wins away from being the winningest coach of all time. And I know he'd probably like to get that 4-13 and record from last year's Patriots off of his sheet and get some positive numbers there. So Bill Belichick will probably be around, but he's the old guard. The young guard now is the new guy who can relate to younger players. So, like, we're seeing a ton of really young coaches. I think when they hired the head coach for the L.A. Rams, I think he was only 31 at the time. And so one of the guys that works for him is the defensive coordinator. His name is Raheem Morris. He just He's apparently one of the top prospects for the coaching job in Seattle. Let's see. DeMarco Farr, he is a sideline reporter for the L.A. Rams, He's a former UW Husky, so that's cool. He's a former NFL defensive tackle, and now he does some reporting for the NFL. And he was on the Wyman and Bob show on 710 Seattle Sports, Wyman and Bob show, and he had this to say. He said, listen, this guy, Raheem Morris, he knows how to lead guys. He's great. You know what? I mean, you guys would be so lucky to get Raheem Morris. He is a fantastic coach. He really is. Uh, I've had uh, just a blast being around him, being amongst him, watching him lead the defense, you know, lead players, get them better. I mean, yeah, he. when you talk about coaches that have that hit factor, he definitely has that hit factor. And what he's talking about there is what I was just referencing, the Bill Belichick's, the Pete Carroll's, these older guys who are in their 70s. How are they going to relate to some of these younger players? I mean, you think about a player who comes into the NFL and he's 21 years old, 22 years old, and he's trying to relate to a Bill Belichick who he's seen on TV all his life. And Bill Belichick obviously is a storied winning coach. He's the second winningest coach of all time. But does a young guy really, really care about that? Or does he want to say, hey, you know what? I'd rather relate to somebody that's going to bring out the best in me. That's going to help me be the best player. And then it's just going to get like this great synergy going in the clubhouse. Or the, I guess they call it locker room. They don't probably don't. I think uh, in soccer they call it a clubhouse, or baseball they call it a clubhouse. Not football. That's a locker room. So these younger guys, this Raheem Morris type guy, would come in and he has experience though coaching on both sides. He's a defensive coordinator right now, but according to uh, Demarco Farr talking to Wyman and Bob, he knows how to coach both sides of the football. I do know he's coached both sides of the football. He's coached on the offensive side, and it's helped him become a better defensive coach, a better defensive coordinator. But as far as leading men, getting in front of a room and setting goals and keeping guys, you know, holding guys accountable, he can do that. He's got that head coach swag. It was one of the greatest things 
for Sean McVay as a head coach to have him on the staff because McVay could actually tune out when he could to handle something and let Raheem handle the, the motivational part. And look, it was just fun to be around him, watching Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner has nothing but good things to say about Raheem Morris. Jalen Ramsey, the same thing. These are top flight guys that learned something from Raheem Morris. So that's, that's something you don't hear from veteran guys all that often. So whoever gets them, you're getting one hell of a coach. I do know that. And apparently, if the Hawks don't grab him, somebody else will. He is definitely a motivational guy. I mean, he's he's got that. You know, he could talk to a, an undrafted rookie free agent all the way up to a guy like Jalen Ramsey and talk to them in a similar way and get the best out of him. So he, he has been fun to be around. It's the sad thing, uh, you know, when you have success as a football team and as a coaching staff that the, the league is going to come and poach you for talent. So it's a sad moment that the Rams are losing their some of their good coaches, but it is what it is. When you have a guy that's that good that could be a leader, when jobs are available, yeah, he's going to be up for pretty much all of them. Well, we're going to be excitedly watching, and hopefully they – I mean, I hope the Seahawks just end on a guy who's not going to be like a, a rebound, not going to be somebody that's just the placeholder before they actually find whoever their longer-term coach is going to be. I hope whoever they get next has great success, and they're able to just either rebuild the team or take what they already have, the pieces they already have, and put them together in such a way that the Seahawks can win again and win in the postseason, which would be phenomenal. I have had such great memories watching the Seahawks. And I don't remember actually watching a ton of football when I was a kid. And maybe because the Seahawks weren't winning when I was a kid. But around, well, when Pete Carroll came and this kind of culture of winning was introduced to the clubhouse or to the locker room. I don't know why I keep calling the clubhouse. I started watching. And I have all these great memories now of, like, my wife and I watching games back in the early 2000s, you know, like 2010s, early 2010s before they won the Super Bowl, and then then my family, like my entire family watching it, I'm sitting there, you know, side by side, watching with my dad, screaming, just screaming our heads off as the Seahawks are, like, beating San Francisco and getting interceptions and getting to the Super Bowl. And now I'm watching these games with my sons. I have three sons. I got one on the way. Watching these games with my sons, forming memories that they're going to have for the rest of their lives and that I'm certainly going to have for the rest of my life. So I'm really excited. I hope they get somebody great, and we're rooting for them. All right, that's it for us, guys. I hope you've had a wonderful night. We really had a pleasure bringing this show to you this evening. Whatever you got going for the rest of the night, be safe, have fun, get some rest. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Night-night.